0: We have a few visitors with us today, and we're really glad that you're here. Um, one of the things that I like to do when I'm traveling and, and visiting around is eat in different places. Uh, I like to go as a policy. I like to try to not eat at a restaurant that we have back home. And uh, you know it's just something a lot of regions and cuisines around this country, I mean, can provide a lot of things that I'd never experience back home. There are two restaurants, though, in Aberdeen, Maryland, that I would suggest that you never go to. (laughs) Unfortunately, there's not a ton of options uh, for eating in the area in which I usually spend a lot of time for work over there in in Maryland. One of the restaurants is, and the Fraustos can cover their ears during this section, one of the restaurants is is a Mexican food restaurant that is abysmal by our standards. Never eat at a Mexican food restaurant in Maryland if you can help it. It's not really what they're known for. Um, the, the quality of the meat there is, is really, well, it's ground beef, let's just be honest, and it's not seasoned very well, and it's just really not that good. But everyone around raves about this restaurant. I won't even, I won't even name the restaurant just to, so you won't even be tempted to go there someday. Everyone raves about it, like, oh, you got to go to this place. It's so good. And we all went there, and we were like, And then there's a restaurant right across the street called The Olive Tree. Not The Olive Garden, The Olive Tree. And when we went there, we were expecting, you know, Olive Garden. It's called The Olive Tree, so you'd think it might be close. It was exactly like Olive Garden. I don't know how they ripped off and how they haven't gotten sued out of existence at this point. But it was the breadsticks, the unlimited soup and and, or salad and everything else, and it's like it was exactly like Olive Garden. It was probably the same quality, which I won't say it was good, it was just like Olive Garden. I'm trying to be judicious here in how much praise I heap on Olive Garden, but it was the same exact thing. Okay, so all of this being said, going out and traveling, you're finding places that like not very good, not very authentic not very like down home cooking, you know, not not a place that you'd really want to go back to. We know what it's like to be confronted with something that's fake. We know what it's like to be confronted with something that is counterfeit that's trying to pass as something else. Like I'll tell you that Mexican food place was really not Mexican food. And that olive tree was really not like olive garden or or really not really not like a genuine Italian restaurant, more like a copy of something else. What about in our spiritual life though? What about when we look around us and we see the the religious landscape that we live in today? There are a lot of fakers. There are a lot of counterfeiters. There are a lot of copies or or things trying to pass off as the real deal. And this morning's lesson is really gonna come from our, our Bible reading this upcoming week in Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, in our, our study together over this next week as we are here at Monta Vista, we're reading through the book of Luke and Acts in an immersion reading where we'll read the same chapter every day of the week. And this week we're going to be reading Acts chapter 19. And Acts chapter 19, I'll just kind of open up the, the backstory of my process in thinking about this lesson this morning. Acts 19 is one of my favorite chapters in Acts. I don't know if you'll agree, when you get to that this week and you start reading Acts 19, hopefully you'll find some things there. Because like right off the bat, there's a really cool story about how Paul is in Ephesus and and decides to confront these 12 people who had not yet been baptized in the name of Jesus, and he addresses that for them, and they're re-baptized. I mean, we could spend a whole lesson this morning talking about that story. At the end, there's this mob scene in Ephesus where there's a whole bunch of people standing up like, idol merchants who were making idols, and and just this ridiculous mob scene in which people are shouting and screaming for hours and hours on end. We could have talked about that story, but right in the middle is one of my favorite stories in the book of Acts, because it's so ridiculous that Luke records it for us, I think, to help us understand some very important truths about what the real deal is all about what authentic Christianity is all about, because here he shows to us a bunch of fakers. And what we're gonna see in this lesson is we're going to see a spirit smackdown. I hope you'll forgive the title of this lesson. That's all I can think of when I see this section, the seven sons of Sceva and the spirit smackdown. Because what we find here is a bunch of fakers who are overtaken, who are overcome by this evil spirit in this story, and listen, if you read through the Bible on a regular basis and you kind of, you feel like maybe it's very serious and it's very dry and it's very drab, I, Ryan's shaking his head now. And I think if any one of us like would think that the Bible is boring, come to a passage like this and you'll see how, how much of a sense of humor the Bible has. How much of a sense of humor Luke had when he was writing this, because you can imagine, He's like, you'll never guess this story. I've got to tell you this story. Hold on. I'm going to take a second, and I just want to tell you about these guys, because this is ridiculous. And, and he shares these things for us, I think, to show us how important it is for us to follow the real and true time-tested religion, and that's the big idea in this lesson, is that following counterfeit and watered-down religion is never going to stand the test of time. Would you agree with that? When we find ourselves following after watered-down, fake things, it's never going to stand the test of time. You can go through the library all day long, and you can find self-help books, books about how to make yourself feel better, how to improve your relationship. You can find books about how to become a, a better this or a better that or a more conscientious fill-in-the-blank. But if you're not following God's plan, none of those things that you undertake are going to stand the test of time. It's going to be tasteless. It's going to be lifeless. It's going to be like going to that Mexican food restaurant in Aberdeen or the olive tree when you know there's something more authentic out there, but you're just not experiencing it now. And so that's the, the whole point of this lesson, really. The whole point of this section in Acts chapter 19, verses 11, down to about verse 16. We're going to talk a little bit here. Let's, let's tackle these first two verses here. Tackle Uh, No pun intended there. Verse 11, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. These first two verses kind of set the stage, so to speak, for the the scene that's going to happen. What Paul, or sorry, what Paul is doing here is, is the real deal. Does this story at all seem familiar to you? Does this kind of Paul going through and, and walking around, even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were going and carrying off, and they were healing people? Does that, does that ring a bell for you at all anywhere else in Scripture? I think Mark chapter 5 is, is what it reminds me of, as Jesus is just kind of walking through the town, right? Walking through the crowds, and who is, who is it that comes up and just... Just needs to touch him. Paul is the real deal here. What, what Luke is trying to get us to see is that Paul is not a faker. Paul is not a, a charlatan or a deceiver. Paul is, is experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit here. Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit and is able to do extraordinary miracles. God was doing these things by the hands of Paul. And interestingly enough, that Paul doesn't even need to be there, right? Paul doesn't even need to be present for these miracles to occur. It's just that Paul is able to touch things, and those things that he touched were able to be used in making people well. And evil spirits were coming out of people here. And we see this, we see this importance that Luke is placing in the book of Acts on Paul. And here's why I think this is important for us. In the 21st century, as we read the Bible, there are a lot of people today who do not appreciate the Apostle Paul, still even today. Are you aware of that? Do you know that? Have you ever talked to anybody in your, in your travels, in your conversations, spiritually speaking, who do not appreciate the Apostle Paul? There are a lot of people. There are a lot of people who don't appreciate Paul. For a lot of different reasons, many of them have to do with how much Paul steps on their comfort levels. Paul, throughout the Bible, speaks a lot about things that make people very uncomfortable. The role of women in worship, the role of of men in the way that we're supposed to carry ourselves, the way that a husband and a wife relate to each other, all the things that Paul writes, all the 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 truths that Paul reveals from God to us, a lot of people don't appreciate Paul and they throw him under the bus, they try to sweep him under the rug, they try to ignore everything that he says and all throughout Luke, or all throughout Acts, Luke is trying to get us to see that Paul is the real deal. Just like Jesus was the real deal back in his day, God is using Paul to spread the message. And This is important for us because right now we're reading Luke and Acts. And I don't want to reveal too much maybe, but, but in the next year when we continue our immersion reading, our Bible reading, we are going to be reading Paul's words. And that's about all I'll say. We'll have the schedule coming out here shortly at some point, but we are going to be spending the entire year next year reading Paul's words. And if you have any problems with who Paul is and his teachings, you are going to have a very hard time reading his words, unless you accept that Paul is the real deal. And here, that's exactly what we see. He's doing extraordinary miracles. He is proving his power. And of course, as even Peter, the the great apostle Peter, would go on to say in 2 Peter 3, verse 16, that Paul's words were equivalent with Scripture. Paul equates scripture and the things that Paul says there in 2 Peter chapter 3. And what Paul is telling us to do, what Paul teaches us, are things that we need to follow, are things that we need to hold true and dear and correct. That's a difficult thing for a lot of people. And I, and I think I'm probably preaching to the, prover- to the proverbial choir here. I think we all understand Paul is the real deal. I don't think I need to convince anybody of that. But in case you hadn't really let that sunk in yet, Let it sink in. Paul's the real deal, especially in this story. So let's continue on to rip maybe really the the meat of the story here. We continue on in verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jewish, Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. All right, so... Notice the words that they're using. Notice that these seven sons of this Jewish high priest, seven brothers were out there. They were, they were exercising the demons. I, I don't know enough about the details here or the backstory to think, but like, were they ever successful in that? Were they actually casting out demons? I don't know, but they, they thought they were or they were trying to. That was at least their job or, or what they were undertaking or like their pet project of the time. And you'll notice, though, you'll notice that these are just foolish fakers. What are the words that they're using? What's the language that they're using? Do they seem convinced of what they're saying to you? I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. I mean, how many levels disconnected can you get from power, right? They're like, well, we know this guy who knows this guy who knows this other guy, and that's the guy who we're talking about. No, they're like, Paul's telling us about Jesus, so we're going to point to Jesus, but we're going through Paul, and, you know, it, they don't really seem convinced about who Jesus is or the power that Jesus has. Why do you think they're doing this? I mean, just stop for a second and, and think for yourself. Why do you think these men are out here teaching? Why do you think these men are out here trying to cast out demons in the way that they are? Why are they doing that? For attention? For attention? maybe, so that people will look at them and think that they are more important maybe than they really are. Maybe they recognize that they don't actually have the power to do that, but they once heard about Paul or they once saw how Paul was able to do it, so maybe maybe they would try to copy him. Maybe like a young entrepreneur sitting in an olive garden restaurant looks around and says, I could do this. I could make one of these and sets up the olive tree. These guys are taking advantage of what they've seen from Paul, what they've seen or heard from Paul. They don't really believe it. They don't really have the substance behind it. But they use the name of Jesus and the name of Paul in order to promote their work. And here's the thing. I think a lot of us need to understand that there are people out in the world who really don't believe what they're teaching. There are a lot of people out in the world who are just foolish fakers who are more interested in people looking at them and praising them and holding them up on a pedestal, they're more interested in in being the center of attention than they are about really making a difference in the world. And these people, these seven sons of Sceva, were these kinds of people. They were traveling around trying to make a name for themselves. And there are all kinds of people like that in our world today. There are all kinds of people who write books, who write blogs, who start podcasts, who do all kinds of work, but who really don't believe what they're saying, who really aren't convinced who Jesus is and how he can make a difference in our life today. And we need to be very careful. We always need to be very careful. We always need to be thinking about those who are teaching us as Paul would go on to say in 1 Thessalonians, I love this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. At the very end here in verses 20 and 21, after he said, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, he says in verse 20, Do not despise prophecies. Now I know we know verse 21 really well because we're going to go there in in just like two seconds. But stop right here. What does he say there? Do not despise prophecies. Listen, Listen, it would be real easy for us to just say, well, then I'm not listening to anyone. If I can't trust anyone, then I'm, then I'm not listening to anyone. If I, can't, if I can't trust everyone around me, then I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna reject everything I hear. Paul makes it very clear, listen, there are real true prophecies that you need to accept. So it's not to say that we just reject everything we hear. It's not to say that we just reject everything we read. It is to say, though, in verse 21, we couple that with testing everything. Verse 21, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. And that includes everything you hear from this pulpit. That includes everything you hear from the the teachers in our Bible classes. That includes everything you hear from the shepherds of this group. You always test everything. But you're open and willing to receive what's true what passes the test. And that's that's so important for us to do, is to test everything. And when we see these seven sons of the Jewish high priest here who are trying to cast out demons, they are about to be tested, as we're going to see in just a second. They're they're about to be tested in a big way, and they're going to fail the test because they're a bunch of fakers. It doesn't take very much for us to test what people say to see if it is going to stand the test of time. Are people just wanting to, to tickle our ears? Are people wanting to tell us things that make us happy? Here's a, here's a great way, by the way, if you want to, if you want to put something to the test. Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Does what someone is telling you, to, does what someone is teaching make you step out of your comfort zone and do something that's hard or challenging or difficult? I think a lot of times we hear teaching, we hear teachers who come in and they tell us all the things that oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I agree with that. Oh, that's what I've always heard. That's what I've always believed. Good job, preacher. Good job, teacher. Good job, elder. Good job, podcast host or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. The more you listen to things that you just nod and agree with and, and, and just fit right in line with making you feel comfortable and happy, you need to be really cautious and careful about those things. Because how did Jesus teach? I mean, you go to the Sermon on the Mount. And one right after another, after another phrase and sentence Jesus used just blew up people's lives. Cut off my hand? Cut out my eye? Jesus was not talking in a way that made people comfortable. Because he wasn't a faker. He wasn't trying to make people happy. He wasn't trying to please people. He was trying to get them to see the truth. And we need to test everything. And when we see that something passes the test, no matter how uncomfortable it makes us, we need to accept it. We need to follow it. And we see here, though, that these fakers are are certainly not going to stand the test of time, and that's where we get to the last part of this verse in Acts 19, where we see that they do fail the test. In verse 15, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? (laughs) Sorry, just stop right there. Like, that's the humor in this whole passage, right? Like an evil spirit, you know, coming up to these guys and saying, okay, well, I recognize Jesus, and, and, and this Paul, I've heard about Paul before. I don't know who you are. So the evil spirit calls them out. In verse 16, then, of course, it continues on, the man in whom the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, and if the story couldn't get any worse, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. All right, so you think the Bible is not funny. (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) That's pretty entertaining that, that this evil spirit knows more about Jesus and knows more about Paul than these guys do. And, oh, by the way, he is more powerful than they are. And overtakes them, boots them out of the house, both wounded and without any clothes. This is a regrettable rumble, for sure. The seven sons of Sceva, I'm sure, did not expect this moment. I'm sure they did not expect to be overtaken by this man who had the evil spirit. I mean, I don't know what they were expecting because throughout, throughout the, the New Testament, throughout the Gospels at least, we've seen plenty of evil spirits who were pretty wild, right? Even the, the legion. And the the man who was basically like breaking chains and running around nude and all kinds of stuff, I mean, just things that you you, you were shocked to think about. I don't know what they were expecting to, to be able to do, but it didn't work. And they were booted out of the house. They failed the test. They failed the test and and quite quite honestly, everything that we experience, everything that we encounter when we start looking around and trying to trying to listen to watered-down teaching, when we, when we start trying to accept or, or adopt just deceivers out there in the world who are trying to get us to, to do what they want or to think about things that aren't from God's word, we need to be really careful. And when we test those things, when we see that they are not true, we need to run away from them. We need to, we need to remove ourselves from those situations because those are not helpful for us. Those are not useful for us. Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, again, Paul is talking there clearly about how we, we have this tendency sometimes to water down the gospel. We have a tendency sometimes, or a very clear and easy step forward that we can take to, to water down what God has given to us. And as Paul would tell the Galatians in Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 to 9, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. These men were trying to distort who Jesus was and what Jesus was all about. They didn't know, they didn't understand, they were just fakers. But there are some people out there who are trying to twist the gospel. And he goes on to say there in verse eight, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach to you, let him be accursed. I know in that verse we often talk about how the angels, like if, like if an angel were to come down and to preach. But I think it's even more powerful that what Paul is saying is, if we ever come back to you and we tell you something different than what we told you before, like don't you think that would be probably more likely or more, more something that you could visualize in your mind? Like couldn't you imagine a faker or some deceiver coming back and saying, no, 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 I changed my mind. By the way, there are a lot of religions out there today who do that very thing, who will take very strong stands for a long time, and then at some point they'll have a realization, oh, no, 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 hold on, we've changed our minds. And what Paul's saying is if we ever do that, not that they would, but if they ever did that, don't listen to them the second time. What we told you the first time was true and correct, but if we ever come back to you a second time and change our minds, you need to be really cautious and don't listen to us. Even if we or an angel from heaven should come and preach a gospel contrary to the one that we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. It's the real deal when we follow Jesus. It's the real deal when we listen to Paul. And when we put these other things to the test, they are going to fail the test. If they are not from Christ, if they are not from God, through his apostles, through his disciples who revealed his word, if the Holy Spirit is not behind it, it is going to crumble and fall. And that's what we see here in this story. Now notice, I I think it's, it's so interesting here at the very end of this in verse 17. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both the Jews and the Greeks, And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Well, isn't that interesting? God is able to do something even with fakers. God is even able to do something with people who are trying to deceive others. The seven sons of Sceva sure did get a smackdown, for sure. But isn't it interesting how the evil spirit and all the events that happened with this this regrettable rumble that occurred... Isn't it interesting how the word of God continued to spread? Isn't it interesting how people were convinced even more about the power that God had and about the name of Jesus through all the things that happened here? This story is is one of my favorites because I think we see here how important it is for us to focus on what is true and what is right. I know that's a, a, a difficult concept in our modern society, right? I know you can go to a lot of different places online and you can find out people who are telling you quote unquote true things, but you need to test it. I need to test it. We all need to test it to make sure that what we're following is true and real and correct. And you can put those things to the test. You can put those things to the test by comparing them with what the Bible says. If you don't find it here in this book, then you're not finding it in truth. You're not finding it to be lasting and real And as we continue on in our reading plan, I think hopefully we're going to see that the words of Paul are worth our consideration. Paul was the real deal. Jesus, of course, was the real deal. These these writings, these teachings help our lives. They, They enrich our lives. They give us direction. They help us be more like Christ every day. And if you're not like Christ... If you've not been living a life that is focused on following Jesus, then you're not on the right path. As Paul talked about in there in Galatians chapter 1, you need to follow the pure and simple gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you've not done that yet this morning, if you've not given your life to the Lord, we'd love to help you start that journey. We'd love to help you continue on in a life of faithfulness, if you're willing to start that today. Because it's not just going down into the waters of baptism where then everything's taken care of and and you're off on your own. No, you're added to the church. I think this is a part of of the gospel that that maybe we miss talking about sometimes. But when when you repent of your sins, when you confess the name of the Lord Jesus before men, when you're baptized for the remission of your sins, you are added to the church. And that means you're one of us. That means you're a part of our group. That means you are able to receive the blessing and benefit of brothers and sisters who love you and care about you and who want only your best. The church is the real deal. Jesus Christ is the real deal. And if you're willing to give your life to the Lord today, then we'd love to help you start that journey. Please come as we stand and sing.